listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a discussion about living and loving like Jesus in the midst of a post-Christian culture. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Welcome to Babylon podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Pastor Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How you doing, Phil? Man, I'm doing great, Keith. I see you have your Titans jersey on today. Evidently, the Titans are playing tonight. That's right. Tighten up, baby. Titans playing the Bills <laughs> tonight. Um, I, I'm not sure how that's going to go, but you got to rep when you get a chance, especially on Monday Night Football. That's right. So, how was your weekend? Man, it was great. We had a great day at Crossgate yesterday. Tons of people came through Next Steps for all kinds of things, whether they were signing up for baptism or for prayer or for any number of things. Several guests, uh, and then uh, spent the afternoon at an event with my son, had life group, and then uh, finally got a chance to watch the Bucks game last night on uh, on recording. So believe it or not, I went the entire day without knowing anything about the game. So I went into it just totally unaware of what the outcome was going to be. And of course, they beat the Saints. So yes, we had a great day overall. I hear you. TB12 pulled another one out. Hey, speaking of baptism, you mentioned that we've got a great opportunity coming up for that at our outdoor service uh, this coming Sunday. Super excited about that. But it got me thinking, do you, you have an embarrassing baptism story? Because every pastor has one. Well, I have a few, but uh, I guess I need to share one with you. So the very first baptism I ever did in a church setting, baptized this guy. And, you know, I I guess I didn't center him in the baptistry correctly or something because by the time I lowered him backwards, his head bonked the side of the baptistry. Oh, no. Now, he was not injured in any way whatsoever. No human was was harmed in the making of this baptism, right? But it created enough of a bonk on the side of the baptistry, the acoustics of the church and so forth, that a number of people heard it and several people went, oh, oh. So, uh, so yes, we got that brother baptized and uh, I don't know if he'll ever forget it, but I certainly won't. Well, I tell you what, I will never forget it, and so I will make sure that I am perfectly centered from now on, because <laughs> I don't want to have the bonk effect on any of my baptisms. Yes. So thank you, thank you for sharing that. Well, it was a great weekend and a great message this past Sunday entitled, Families That Thrive in Babylon. Really, really enjoyed that. And just want to encourage all of our listeners, if they haven't listened to that, um, to go back on our social media pages um, and check that out. Um, watch it, listen to it. Um, great, great message. But you know, I was thinking, part of the message, you, you read these quotes, this quote after quote, um, describing this desire in our culture to abolish the family as a way to enable, you know, kind of their version of progress. You know, I was taken a little aback, Phil, and kind of felt like my family was under attack, um, maybe for the first time. I, I You know, I thought about this concept of you know, attacks on the family, maybe in other parts of the world. But as you were talking, it felt a little personal. So what would you say to those listening who value the traditional family, but are maybe feeling like, Phil, are you talking about me? Hmm. Yeah, great question, Keith. So I think it's important for all of us, as you mentioned just a moment ago, that we need to recognize what's taking place in our world. I mean, this is not just some random sociological drift. I mean, there there is an agenda. And I'm not just talking about on the part of various, uh, you know, politicians or philosophers or whatever. John chapter 10, Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about uh, just the enemy that, that, that wars against who we are as God's people. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I mean, you talk about spiritual warfare. So this this is a battle. 
And, and I think it's important that we understand you know, what's taking place behind the scenes that, that's driving a lot of what's going on in our culture. Cool thing is that later in this series, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. And when we talk about Daniel chapter 3, we're going to talk about how do we take a stand? Uh, you know, we, we, we absolutely should and must take a stand in our culture. And there are some different ways to do that. Uh, so I think having an awareness is the first thing. Second of all, how can we take a stand uh, in the midst of our culture? Yeah, so the awareness piece is huge because you talked about being in a battle. I would not want to be in a battle and not realize that I'm in a battle, right? Um, obviously, you you can't win um, if you don't realize that that there's a fight going on. Um, you know, and you also mentioned that as families, we can either play not to lose or play to win. Well, we're certainly not playing around, but but those statements were pretty profound. What's the difference between those two, and why does it matter? Great question. Well, first of all, I got to bring the Bucks into the conversation one more time. You know, every time you watch Tom Brady play, it's obvious to me that dude is there to win. He's not just there not to lose. And even last night in the game, a couple times the Bucks make it down toward the red zone, and they said Tom Brady did not come here to kick field goals, right? I mean, he's he's here to score touchdowns. So, what does that mean for us when it comes to you know families, parents, raising children, and all the rest? Okay, so first of all, you got to clearly identify the win, right? And that's true in any organization. That's a, that's a key leadership strategy. The win for us is spelled out in 3 John 4. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. And, and, and we are striving toward that. Uh, again, another leadership principle, you begin with the end in mind, right? What, what's, the, what's the end state that you, that you seek as God has given that to you as a parent? Well, again... You're, you're there to play to win, not just not to lose. Unfortunately, for a lot of even Christian parents, for them, the goal is, well, as long as my child doesn't get on drugs, as long as my son doesn't get some girl pregnant, you know, out of wedlock or whatever, then, okay, I, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm good with that. That's just surviving. Thriving is where your goal as a parent is to see your child love the Lord God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so that's pretty important as we think about, you know, playing to win and not just playing not to lose. And I think lastly, one of the one of the things that we've applied in our lives is something that Dave Ramsey applies to financial uh, wisdom and so forth and that is a gazelle intensity, right? I mean, in order to get out of debt, if you're in debt financially, you've you've probably got to do some very intentional things in order to get yourself on the right side of the ledger sheet. Same thing spiritually, you know, I mean, this stuff doesn't just happen. I mean, touchdowns don't score themselves. You've got to get out there and get after it. And and, and so just like Tom Brady, man, he's there to win. Well, as a, as a dad, I'm telling you, I'm not perfect, but I'm here to win. I'm not here just not to lose. Yeah, that's really good. So we're not just playing some prevent defense. We're, we're out there, uh, like you said, being intentional with an intentional plan. That's awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you talked about our, you know, our greatest joy being that our children walk in truth. And, and with that, you also quoted Michael Catt in saying, never trust a voice over a verse. Um, when it comes to truth, man, that's so important. And Pastor Josh and I mentioned this last week. Phil, it seems like there's so many voices today in our society that are competing for our attention, you know, trying to tell us what's true and what's not true. Um, how can we as families make sure that we are following the truth and that we're leading our families in the truth and not just what the culture wants us to believe? Well, that's definitely a very relevant question because there are so many voices. 
but we also see a, a massive priority on the truth in the scripture. So for example, Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. There, there is a pursuit of the truth that we see in the scripture. And, and the pursuit of the truth comes and, and is ultimately rewarded uh, with, with this saturation of the truth. You know, yesterday I gave an example of kind of the FBI and the Treasury agents, right? And the old, the old deal where they, yes, they learn some of the tricks of the trade of the counterfeiters and so forth, but primarily those agents are trained to become so familiar with how a $100 bill feels and, and what a $100, $100 bill, a real legitimate $100 bill looks like, what it smells like. I mean, they, they know those things inside and out. And therefore, when they do come across counterfeit money, it's, it's just second nature for them to say, that's bogus, right? And so to, to love the truth, to buy the truth, metaphorically speaking, not selling it, not giving it up, but getting wisdom, discipline, and understanding, that's, that's where it's so important. Now, that's kind of the theoretical level. I think in terms of the practical level, uh, to, to saturate ourselves with the truth, you know, we got to make some decisions, right? Uh, so, for example, I mean, I'm, I'm driving to work this morning, and, uh, and I thought, okay, I can either listen to an update of the game last night, which I already watched anyway, or I can listen to this podcast for 15 minutes driving to work about evangelism. And it was a podcast about evangelism. And I said, you know what? I would love to listen to the game, but I'm going to listen to this thing about evangelism, right? So we got to make some decisions about, about the truth and, and how we fill our time. I'm not saying that you got to spend all your entire day listening to podcasts about God and reading the Bible 24-7. But I will tell you, there's, there, there's some decisions that we make every single day throughout the day. And, and we need to choose more of the truth rather than more of the other voices in the world. That's really good. And, you know, those little decisions like that, they add up um, over time to, you know, one day look back and it, they make up a lifetime. Um, and, you know, and you talked uh, in the message about how there's some key big decisions that you make that influence all those little decisions. Um, and you talked about just now the, the decision to pursue truth. And so I feel like what you're saying is when we make the decision that we're going to pursue the truth of God's word, then that influences even those little everyday decisions like what kind of podcast to listen to on the way to work. Absolutely. Man, that's really good. Um, so in the message, you you discuss a little bit about Deuteronomy 6, where we're commanded to train our children in the way of the Lord, train them in the truth. You know, as a dad who loves Jesus and wants my kids to love Jesus, I certainly want to disciple my kids well. But I imagine that for a lot of parents, man, that seems like an overwhelming task. It's just kind of monumental. Um, so where do we start? Uh, for somebody who says, I don't, even, I don't even know where to begin discipling my family, where's a good starting place? Well, that's a great question as well. And if you think about Deuteronomy 6, uh, one of the things I did not mention yesterday, but we certainly could have spent some time talking about is verse 6 of, of chapter 6 in Deuteronomy, and, and that's where God says, these things shall be on your heart, right? As we've said in our parenting um, class on Wednesday nights that we're doing, which incidentally is called Welcome to Babylon Parenting Edition, uh, we oftentimes say every week that parenting begins with parents, and, and we've got to be where we need to be with the Lord before we can ever, you know, it's the old saying, you can't take anywhere uh, you can't take anybody anywhere you ain't been yourself, right? And so first of all, it it starts out with us in terms of our own relationship with the Lord before we try to disciple our kids. Now, one of the things that I hope our, our folks are, are sensing 
on Sunday mornings and in other, in other uh, contexts here at Crossgate is this emerging emphasis on being is more important than doing. You guys hit on it. I've hit on it. You know, others in other contexts have hit on it. You know, sometimes we, we and, and this is, I say this to, 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 to my shame, I'm guilty of this, that I tend to jump straight to the doing. You know, discipling your children, doing, hey, here's six things you can do or, or whatever. You know, we always think about discipleship and so many things at church in terms of doing rather than being, right? But the fact is, you know, you being and, and your relationship with God is always going to precede uh, doing. And so I, that verse six is huge in terms of parents, you know, recognizing that, that we need to be where we need to be just in our own lives with the Lord. Here's the other thing, Keith. I, I would, if, if we were just judgment day honest, you know, as they say, and, and our people got honest, I would guess that the majority of the people in our church and the majority of people in most Bible-believing churches have never been discipled. Now, that doesn't mean they haven't sat through sermons and, and small group classes, and maybe they've done experiencing God or other things, but just the, the basic rhythms of the Christian life, as we talked about and, and as we, you know, as, as we promote in our, through our D groups especially, I doubt, you know, probably 30% of our people, you know, have, have ever truly gone through a process where they've been discipled intentionally. And the thing is that if, if you've never seen it and experienced it, how can you possibly, you don't even know what it looks like, right? That, that's why I said, you know, to, to understand some of the basics even of a discipleship group or a D group would go a long way in terms of setting somebody up to know what the rhythms are so that they can then impart those to their, to their children. Yeah, that's really good. And you actually mentioned a great resource um, in the message, uh, Replicate, the book Replicate by Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. Hey, one of the most impactful books um, that I've read in a very long time when it comes to uh, discipleship, uh, the need for discipleship, but also some how-to and describing what a disciple um, discipleship group looks like has been very helpful for me personally and in our discipleship ministry um, and an intentional plan here at Crossgate. So definitely would recommend that replicate by Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. You know, that's all really good advice, leading yourself first, you, taking them along with you. Um, that That's great, and I totally agree. Um, but I feel like that kind of commitment uh, to pursue God daily and to lead our families, that's easy to say, but and it seems like it's so hard for people to live out, myself included, um, because the reality is, Phil, like, so families are just so busy these days. Um, I, I've talked to people in the last week who have told me that, you know, we're lucky if we get to see each other one or two nights a week just because we're going in so many different directions. Um, so maybe somebody's listening and they're like, that sounds great, but I don't know how to make that happen. It seems like this is just another thing to add to my already overfilled plate. So how can families actually take some ground in discipling their kids, discipling their families uh, every day uh, when things are so busy? Man, so so much to say about that, Keith. And, and yes, we, we got to meet people right where they're at on this. Uh, I, I certainly do not want you know this challenge to be burdensome. I mean... You know, God says that His commandments are not burdensome, and, and certainly the expectations that we see throughout the Scripture that we make disciples in our own homes is never intended to be burdensome. Uh, one of the great things about this is that it's something, first of all, that you can do as you go. I mean, we're always on the go. We're busy, busy, busy. Okay, we're always, we're always moving here and there and everywhere. Well, I mean, you know, 
discipling your children doesn't have to be limited to kind of a formal, let's sit down and let's go through some things, right? But you, you can disciple your kids anytime, anywhere, any place. And, and that's, that's the picture of Deuteronomy 6. You know, as you are going, speaking the word to your children, incorporating that into other, other things. For example, when I'm out with my kids fishing in the morning or, or maybe we're going, going hunting or something uh, and, and, and the sun is just starting to come up, I talk to them about Proverbs 4.18. Proverbs 4.18 says the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the new day that shines brighter and brighter to the full light of day. It's almost gotten to the point where my kids know I'm going to bring that verse up anytime we're out when we see the sun come up, right? So there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can incorporate the word. Or again, if you're just out in the woods and there's plenty of woods here or we're hiking or we're just out in the creation, I mean, point to the fact that there's a creator behind this. Hey, kids, how do you think this came into being? You know, so, so that, that's the picture. Um, but here, here's, here's another word that I, would, that I would share with a lot of families, okay? And this is kind of a separate sermon for another day, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. But th- this, is, this is probably not a popular word in our culture today. Um, some people, probably most of us, we need to take a machete to our calendars, right? And, and it's, it is okay not to fill your calendar every, with every waking moment with activities and, and other things, you know, the, the world, the, the world. And again, talk about the voices. Some of the voices that we hear as families are, if your kids are not involved in 10 different activities throughout the week, you've somehow failed as a parent or, oh, well, your child is not involved in all these things. Well, clearly you don't care because they're not going to have any opportunities later in life. Or I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's unbelievable uh, how, how so many families have bought into this. Now, again, I mean, every family, it, th- they got to figure it out for themselves. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to presume to tell a family, hey, I'm going to figure your calendar out for you. But I, I do know this much. The good things become bad things when they keep you from the best things, right? I love the stuff that we're able to do during the week activities. We certainly have a number of activities that our, that our family's involved in. But, but we, we also realize that there's something liberating about realizing, you know what? You don't have to do everything, you know, and, and I mean, you know, Tony, I think it was Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans, who said, and I've shared this with our church before, you know, there's a lot of folks who are more concerned about their kids making the team than their kids making the kingdom, right? So it's, it's, it's a priority, right? So all that to say, I, this is not intended to be burdensome. And again, being comes before doing, and, uh, and, and being is not something you do, it's, 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 a, it's an abiding yeah, man, that's really good and and uh, so convicting, uh, but great advice. You know, a couple of resources that I think are very practical in in helping parents. Um, one that just came out is uh, called "Write It on Their Hearts" um, by um, Chris Swain and Melissa Swain. Great, great book. Um, talks gives a lot of practical advice um, on parenting. Another one is family discipleship. Um, by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. Uh, that one was really helpful for me. He talks about um, being intentional with our time, moments, and milestones um, in that one. So definitely recommend those. Uh, well, we're about out of time, Phil, but we, you know, we've talked a lot about the family today, and it's been really good stuff. But you know, maybe there's somebody who's listening who they're like, this doesn't apply to me because maybe they just feel like they've blown it with their own family or that they've missed their opportunity to disciple their kids. Um, or someone who says, I don't have a family, so none of this applies to me. Uh, what would you say to those folks who might be listening? Wow. Well, you know, th- there's, 
there's always a challenge anytime you talk about the, the ideals and the goals of parenting, uh, because sometimes that runs headlong into the real world <clears throat> in terms of what, what people's experience has been. Uh, and, and I think it's always important that we're, again, we're not laying this massive burden on people or, or, that, or that we're somehow uh, mistakenly, you know, presenting God's word in, in terms of as, as, a, as a burdensome program. Uh, I always like to remind folks that, you know, God had two children and he gave them the absolute best environment possible. And yet they still rebelled against him. Right. And so at the end of the day, our kids are going to get a vote. You can create the perfect context, the perfect discipling, you know, program for whatever for your for your kids, the, the most compassionate, and yet your kids still get a vote. And some may very well just choose to do their own thing and walk away, uh, whether it's for a season, for a lifetime, whatever. Uh, maybe they'll end up having children of their own, and now there's another opportunity somehow, some way. I mean, I've I've known a number of people in this boat, right? So never never giving up hope. And always, always leaning into prayer uh, for your children, for your grandchildren. If your child is in a far country, to use the language of the, the the prodigal son parable, you know, if your child, your son, your daughter, your grandchildren are in a far country, uh, continuing to pray, not losing hope, uh, humbling yourself under God's mighty hand. You know, humility and fear of the Lord. I believe it's Proverbs twenty two four. Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor in life. So, you know, there's there is never a bad time to take it to God. And, and recognize that at the end of the day, you know, we, we are asking God to work in the lives of those in our spheres of influence. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to be said for, for folks and families in, in crisis, and, uh, and certainly we'll be, we'll be addressing that more in the series. That sounds really good. Well, we are out of time for today. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll hope that you tune in in the future for our future episodes, and we hope that you have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Keith. Thank you for listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, visit us on our website, crossgate.org, or on all of our social media channels.